and thank you very much for listening in to another episode of Code with Kingy where we are previewing round 9 of Super Rugby Aotearoa after I missed round 8. So just to reiterate, I was away for work last week and didn't have the opportunity to fit in a preview on the Wednesday let alone watch Saturday night's game so I thought well if I can't do any of that I'm better to actually give you guys some other bits of content and so I decided to drop the end of the sheds interview that I did with Teresa Fitzpatrick which is awesome so in case you guys haven't seen that please go back and give that a listen I was very privileged to have her on the show and hopefully it's the start of things to come for me in the women's scene I've got a bit of stuff in the works so hopefully in the not too distant future I've got some more content for you guys to listen to but nevertheless I am back into super rugby this week, and I'm actually joined by one of my new acquaintances, shout out to Dominic Rofe hooking this up, uh, the brother Tim Young jumped on the mic with me on Wednesday night, and we were just talking about how Super Rugby Aotearoa can go one of three ways, obviously the Crusaders are sitting atop the table at the moment, but then the Blues and Hurricanes are also in with a mathematical chance, and of course we then go into Saturday's and Sunday's game, the first of which is the Hurricanes hosting the Chiefs at the Caketon before the Crusaders host the Highlanders in the Southern Derby at Orange Theory Stadium. Now we also round off the, I guess, wrap-up of Round 9 with a few talking points around the Aratapa review, and I get a few views from Tim on the proposed Pacifica team before then delving into what we'll do with the Super Rugby Aotearoa trophy going forward, seeing as we're going to have a sans art based competition in 2021 with hopefully all the COVID stuff eradicated so there's still the there's still one more year on that contract to go before wrapping it up with what the test scene looks like for the All Blacks for the remainder of 2020 seeing that South Africa is going through its own turmoil whether or not it's actually worth having a series with Australia and even looking forward to the end of year European tour so yeah, a few bits to cover, and hopefully you guys all enjoy what me and Tim chewed the fat on. Sweet, bro. But um, yeah, I guess first things first, thank you very much for accepting my invitation onto Code with Kingy. I, I really appreciate you taking some time out of your Wednesday night to have a yarn with me and help me with round nine of Super Rugby Aotearoa. Hey, any, any time, mate. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so maybe give me a bit of a rundown of what your thoughts have been around the, the new competition, because it's unlike anything that we've probably seen in our lifetimes, and have you liked the brand of footy you've seen, and maybe sort of the the progression of the style of play, considering, you know, the the influence that the referees had in the earlier rounds, and how that sort of died down as of late, and I don't know, just just your general thoughts on, yeah. on play at the moment, because we're sort of really the only rugby competition that's, I don't know, doing their thing besides the Aussies who've just started up. Yeah, I, re- I really think that... Um... Especially uh, looking at looking outside the footy first and foremost is is congratulating on every single New Zealander who played their part in um, the whole COVID ordeal of being locked down for X amount of weeks, and then just getting live sport back on the TV was a huge boost. Like I was at that first Blues game, and it was phenomenal. The uh, the amount of people that packed out Eden Park it was just incredible, and it was honestly exciting to see what was actually going to go on. And I think the excitement has still fizzed on. 
but not only that, the excitement from the pro sports side of things uh, has really shown the high class and high calibre of, of our New Zealand boys and them competing week in and week out and, and there being a bit of banter not only between the rugby clubs of, of club rugby boys who come from all regions of life and in the Auckland region I'm speaking from on the behalf but also on the uh, workplace environment. We, in our workplace we've got guys from all over all over the country who represent the five uh, Super Rugby franchises and to be honest the uh, the calibre of code f- uh, from expecting the lockdown to where we are now has just been incredible. It's literally, like for me, I feel like I'm watching international tests week in, week out. The, the brutality, the skill play, the understanding of the game is incredible and you've got to tip your hats off to each and every one of those boys who run out in the match day 23 on both teams and then especially with the referees, um, I can speak from a club rugby point of view with the change of the rules, just understanding and, and changing and experimenting, it's, it's exciting. So I've, I've got nothing but admiration and excitement for what's gone on in the past nine weeks. Mm-hmm. I'm very similar to you. I think my only, I guess, negative takeaway from the last sort of two months of rugby is the Chiefs. I think that after I think that after the the first round and you know all of the the hate that was sort of thrown the Highlanders way after their pretty miserable normal yeah. Super Rugby season in twenty twenty and you know I even expected them not to win a game, but then obviously they come out and they maybe catch the Chiefs on the hop. And I was like, yeah. oh you know the Chiefs will bounce back you know because they're a quality side. I mean you look across that back line. I've, you know I've mentioned it numerous times, just how much star power they have. Out wide, and you look at their loose forward trim, and you've got the all black captain, you've got an all black bolter, and Lachlan Boshera, and Peter Gasawakul is no slouch, but they've uh, potentially been let down by their tight five. But yeah, I, yeah, similar to you, I think that um, earlier on as well with the referees, that was, I guess, a bit of a pain for, for a lot of viewers because they probably had a bit too much whistle or a bit too much influence in the games, but that's died down and they've adapted, and it's allowed for the game to flow a lot better and you talk about the brutality I mean yeah it's 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 an awesome spectacle but I also mentioned a couple of weeks ago the the fact that these boys are playing quality players week in week out and there's not really the I guess the time to rest now I know, I know that the only real rest period that you would have had in any competition is the bye week but um, yeah. just, just speaking candidly you know when you're coming up against like the likes of the Sunwolves or the Reds I know that a lot of the New Zealand teams probably targeted those games as opportunities to bleed in new blood whereas I guess now because it's only a 10-week competition well you play nine games and well eight games sorry because you got the two buys and there's no finals competition so it's not like you get you know you get to the finals and then it's anyone's ball game it's whoever turns up on the night you know it, it's really a, um, a reflection of who's been the most consistent team which I am actually a model I am actually in preference of because I think that that's a more I guess all-rounded approach yeah yeah Yes, there is the argument to be made that, you know, with any element of competition is that there needs to be some sort of pressure. So, you know, when you get to a final football game, it doesn't matter what's happened over the previous however amount of games that you've played. It's whoever turns up on that day, But I, I, and I get that. But at the same time, I think that there needs to be, I guess, a reward for, I guess, consistency, like, like we probably see, um, I guess, in a lot of club rugby scenes. You know, you have the first round, and then you go into the, the knockout football afterwards, so 
Yeah, but um, before we jump into this weekend's games, um, I do want to bring up the topic of Super Rugby Aotearoa and, and who can be a champion. So at the moment, we have the Crusaders sitting in first place. And it's pretty straightforward for them. They've got two more games coming up against the Highlanders this weekend and the Blues next week. And they just need to win one of those games. They don't need a bonus point. They just need four points from either of those games. Then you've got the Blues sitting on 22 points. And what they need, since it's their bye this weekend, they need the Crusaders to be upset by the Highlanders this weekend. And then they need to beat the Blue. Uh, they, they need to beat the Crusaders next weekend when they host them at home. And then sitting in third place is the Hurricanes on 16 points. And weirdly enough, they are still mathematically in contention to win the competition. But what they need, this, you know, and bear with me, so they need two bonus point wins over the next two weeks. They play the Chiefs this weekend and they play the Highlanders next weekend. But then they need the Crusaders to lose both of their games. But in next weekend's game against the Blues, they need the Blues to beat them, but hope that the Blues don't win with a bonus point. And that also the Blues points differential, which sits at plus 27 at the moment. The Hurricanes are only sitting at plus 7. They need to then beat them on points differential to yeah. take home the the new trophy. So hopefully you guys could get your head around that. I know I went through it pretty quickly, but yeah, it's going to make for a pretty bumper next two weeks. Obviously, it'll be all over if the Highlanders can't get the job done away from home, which will be a, a monumental task in itself. But yeah, fingers crossed we do get a bit of an upset because then it makes for a, a pretty tasty next weekend, especially if the Hurricanes yeah, win as touching, well. Touching on the next weekend point of view, uh, I read today uh, and had confirmed sources from a few of the uh, Auckland rugby camps um, that about 39,000 tickets had already been sold and we're still two weeks out from that Saturday derby. Wow. So... Mate, that, that is incredible. So you've got to take your hat off to the to the Auckland crowd about how excited they are with this with the Super Rugby. But um, if there's any team that can really, you know, ruffle some feathers, it would be uh, it would be the men from down south. You know, those Highlanders they've been bleeding in some new young stock. Uh, you just got to have a look at Marino running the number eight, and then you've got to have a look at uh, the guys coming off the bench like Manaki Shelby Ricker. I know he he ran down Tonga Fussy Lane. <laughs> on the weekend, but mate, he he he's been a, he's been an absolute credit to them, and then you've got guys who are up and coming in the future like Ethan De Groot, mate. That guy is an absolute unit for being only twenty two years old and propping down in the front row. So those guys, if they can pester, if they can pester, 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 and cause some chaotic rugby, then they will have a very very good shot against the Crusaders. My thoughts are, you know, I think the Blues are in the best position, hoping that all goes well for those Landers boys with the rested week. Uh, they're able to, you know, adjust a, adjust a few things uh, tactically, team-wise. Um, they're able to rest the bodies from a few weekly niggles that they might not have the turnaround for. And then they're able to, to set their focus to basically what will be a final at Eden Park at the Garden which will be a super exciting rugby. But I've got this real weird gut feeling about the Hurricanes. You know, they're, I know they're mathematically in still with a chance, but it is possible that they can still get there. I don't know. They're, they're, just, a sleeping, they're just a sleeping team that you don't want to rule out just because they've just got some absolute talent in that back line and around the loose forward trio at the moment. And it's just like, oh, dear. 
Like you can't really list, uh, you can't really do anything wrong within your sixty meters because you got Geordie Barrett knocking bombs from about sixty meters out. So, yeah, mate, it's exciting. It's a, it's an exciting two weeks of footy. Yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm similar to you. I'm fingers crossed that the Landers boys do get up. I know that 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 Southern game always brings out the best in those boys. And like you said, the the Hollanders actually have a pretty strong foundation when you, when you look at the likes of their loose forward trio. To me, I feel like they've got the best balance between their, their three flankers. So you've got mm. Shannon Frizzell, who's a physical oh, presence mate. at the blind yeah. side, and he's really yeah. sticking his hand up for that all-black six jersey. You, you made a mention to Marino, and he's come a long way. I, I had Nick Higgity, who's uh, a Wellington boy, but is studying down south at the moment, and he talked about having had a few chats with Marino every now and then, and he mentioned the fact that he's sort of been in that Highlander system the past couple of years and hadn't really got his opportunity because the likes of Elliot Dixon had sort of been in his way mm. and Luke yeah. Whitelock. But, you know, he's obviously taken his his chance uh, with both hands and, and you know, we, we're seeing, you know, how lethal he can be with ball in hand and his work rate around the park, especially over the ball as well. He, he gets over the ball really well for a tall fella. And, and especially when we when we had a healthy Hoskins, I know that he's had a bit of a, a knee injury and you've got to remember to the people out there who don't really follow the, the understanding of these players, he's still only 22 years young. Mm. Hoskins, and when you see a Hoskins versus Marino matchup, mate, you just got to lick your lips at it, yeah. Because those two boys, I know Akira Iwani's in there, and mate, he's a quality player. But when you see those two guys on the team sheet in terms of the statistics of size to weight ratio, and just how they've played around the park, mate, it's just an unbelievable matchup. Mm. And then I even throw into the mix someone like Cullen Grace, who's out at the moment. Yeah, who's yeah. who's another up and coming promising Lucy and yeah Ian Foster's really sport for choice numbers six through eight and how, of how course a, how good would a probable possibles reunion be I know we've got the north south game but imagine Ian Foster getting his chance to pick his own match day twenty three All Blacks and then whoever the winning Super Rugby coaches gets to select his second All Blacks fifteen with the guys left over and playing them in a white jersey against the All Blacks at wherever stadium it may be of choice. How good would that be, just that, to see the, the the pushing of the contest there? That would actually make for a, a pretty interesting billing because I think all the pressure would obviously be heaped on all those All Blacks boys. Mm. And like you said, the team kitted in white would have nothing to lose. Yeah. So no, that, that, yeah, that, especially if it was like Razor as well. So if you get oh, Razor's tactics thrown in, mate, maybe a bit of yeah. Tony Brown in there. Oh, and you, and and you get and you get old, obviously Jace Ryan or Clark Dermody's forward coaching presence because you gotta you gotta admit that the uh, even though the Crusaders were out without Joe Moody and Fetu Douglas, mate, Jace Ryan is basically uh, Mike Cron two just the. If you, if any of the listeners out there know what the rugby site is, then um, you know your pieces of scrummaging and line-out technique and anything to do with forward play is Jace Ryan is gold, absolute gold. So for the young fellas out there, if you can get your hands on Jace Ryan, mate, he is unbelievable in terms of that play. And then, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the Hurricanes this weekend. I'm going to be interested to see how they play it because they need to take maximum points from both games. So I think there is the possibility, although they are playing the pretty hapless Chiefs at the moment who have zero confidence. But I think they're working through 
some stuff. And I think Warren Gatlin, like you've got to take your hat off. He hasn't been complaining. Yes, he's been spraying the refs on obviously their obvious forward pass because Quinn and Strange didn't have the control of the ball. But Warren Gatlin, mate, you've got, he's a smart man. He's a, he, and he's realised that this is kind of a, a dead deadbeat lost season. So he's trying things. And I think that instead of complaining, he's he's turning it around and using this as a platform to launch for next year. So my my tips are that I reckon the Chiefs will be a bloody strong team next year just because it's new combinations, new culture, new whatever it is, just from not even being in there, but just understanding how a club goes when a new coach comes into the mix. I guess my I guess my only my point on that, though, is that because he's going to be with the Lions next year, mm. like, yeah, I wonder whether or not he's sort of, like, taken a backward step and let Clayton McMillan come in and maybe try to let him yeah. implement whatever game plan that he has planned up for next year because I guess the biggest takeaway for me besides you know missed tackles and missed scoring opportunities is just that they're probably a bit too methodical for for my liking and for, for yeah. guys like Brad Weber and Damian McKenzie's liking like you can't have someone like Damian in your team and not give him free reign it, it, it's yeah. almost it's almost like they've taken that sort of sparkle out of his eye and, and, and tried to rein him in to conform to Warren Ball. Yeah, now I know it's not. I know it's not Damien, quite Warren Ball, but yeah. you, you get what I'm getting at. Yeah, Damien plays best when it's when it's a chaotic scene. When there's guys out of position, there's holes to be spotted, mate. That guy, that guy has just got to turn and burn. Like no matter if he's running around or he's sidestepping around, he's still got the same change of pace. It's unbelievable, and that's why I think he's so effective in that All Blacks twenty three jersey. You know, he comes on when guys are tired and there's fatigueness high running through through the teams and he just comes on and brings something electric. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mate. I know I, I can I can I can see it, I can feel it, but yeah. Who knows who knows with those camps, you know? You've really yeah. got to get the inside scoop on how players are feeling and, and does the media and guys like us ever get that no, but you know, we can only commentate on what we see every Saturday, but you know. Exactly, yeah. They they do a really good job of keeping, for the most part, all of that stuff under wraps. But uh, we'll, we'll jump into that first game um, yep. on the point of the Chiefs. So they travel to Wellington on Friday, I'm assuming, to take on the Canes on Saturday night. And now the Canes, fresh off their bye, are back at home. And like I mentioned before, they must score three more tries than the Chiefs to keep their titles hopes alive. Whereas for the Munna, having recorded yep. their eighth straight loss last weekend, they're pretty much playing for pride uh, and potentially looking to build towards next year. So, um, yeah, on the point of the Canes, though, their run before the bye had them with four wins on the trot, the the biggest of that lot being their away win down in the Garden City against the Crusaders, where a a lovely tackle from Jamie Booth and a bit of work over the ball from Jordy Barrett got them home. But, yeah, yeah, a crazy game. It's funny, I've... Picked the Hurricanes not to win in every single game that they've gone on to win. So I'm, I'm probably, but like, I'm I'm going to jump the gun here before we before I ask you what your your prediction is going to be and like just to you know not beat around the bush. I'm I'm picking the Hurricanes not to win just so I hope that the karma comes back at my face. But before I get to that though, uh, two of the the big question marks leading into this weekend uh, revolve around the twelve and eleven jersey. Ooh, so I, I saw this and I'm absolutely. 
licking my lips at this because I have a few options here for the sake uh, for the sake of the Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. I've got obviously you got to keep Peter Umanga Jensen in the thirteen jersey, without a doubt. The guy has been in absolute shit hot form. The guy has just taken his opportunity to run with it. Whether or not you pair him up with Vince Arso in that um, in that twelve jersey, twelve thirteen combination, and bring a uh, bring a young blood onto the bench, um, that's still a question to be had. But or do you move Geordie Barrett from the fifteen to the twelve, and then bring Chase Tiertier at the fifteen and move the bus for a comeback on the on the left wing? That's that that could be that could be a play. It would be an unexpected play, but it would be a bloody good play. Yeah, I, I, it's just you know you can only you can only wait to see what the team lineup would be. But my gut feeling is it will be Peter Umanga Jensen, it will be Vince Arsenal. Uh, they'll probably put Wes Houston and uh, is it Van is it Van der Klerk? Van Vake. Van Vake. Vake. Yeah. Yep. Yep. They'll probably use that as the combination there, and Geordie Barron in the bank. That's what my thoughts are. But how good would it be to see a Geordie Barrett, Peter Amanga Jensen, Chase Tiatia, the man who was the Mitre 10 player of the year for the bop in the back and then move the bus to the left wing for a, for a comeback with old, uh, with old mate on uh, the eight jersey old Savia Ardi. I'm gonna I'm gonna go a different route. So I think if you're gonna go with the midfield of Arsenal and Umanga Jensen, I think you got to flick Peter into twelve because I don't think that Vince yeah. probably carries the bulk to play in that twelve jersey. Mm-hmm. And I think even even the way that Peter's been running, he he's been playing very direct. Yeah. And so I, I'd want him a bit closer to the ball. Even though, like you said, he has done a, he has done a brilliant job in the thirteen jersey. I just don't need the Hurricanes in their squad off the top of my head. I I, I can't think of anybody else who could potentially cover that role maybe a Danny Tuala but I think in the past for the Hurricanes he's been more sort of looked at like an outside back you mentioned moving Geordie in I think that Geordie is the best fullback in the world right now now albeit like I'm I'm only really watching New Zealand rugby and I don't really give a shit about Australian (laughs) (laughs) Um, and and we'll get to the South Africans and potentially the the European gig uh, later on but no, I, I don't like. In the past, I feel like they've they've mucked Geordie Barrett around, and I think he's made that fifteen jersey his own. And to me, he's the first name on the team sheet, maybe outside of Artie. Yeah. And so I I think you keep him at the back. As for the left wing, though, I, I think you're right in that they'll probably go with the tried and true of, of picking the South African Van Vake because he's shown that he's got the temperament to play yeah. out there. But yeah. personally. Now, I might be a bit biased here, but I, I'd like to give um, old Ryasi a crack on the left wing. Now, Ooh. I know that he maybe gave them a bit of the heave-ho with picking to go to the sevens this year. Yeah. But I just think that if, if you're looking to potentially build towards next year, and like both of us mentioned before, the Hurricanes are mathematically in with a chance, but they're relying on other teams to get the, the Super Rugby Aotearoa trophy locked up in the capital for the year. Yeah. So, yeah, no, like there, no, there, there, there is a big amount of bias in there. Olympic calendar. This was an Olympic calendar. Yeah, so obviously SAS was going to pick the New Zealand Sevens to try and push for that Olympic gold. Mm-hmm. And obviously due to COVID-19, that hasn't panned out the way anyone would have liked it to. So, yeah, I'm actually... I didn't... Oh, I forgot about that. So I'm actually... 
even more salivating at seeing what that goes on in that left wing. So that mate, that is bloody good. Yeah. Well, uh, Do, yeah. Take nothing away from Sevilla. Like we, we all know what the bus is capable of uh, when he's when he's chucked it into fifth gear. But I think that the last I saw of him, and from what I heard um, from his stint over in France, it seems like he couldn't get out a second. So. I don't know, maybe a bit of familiarity with, with playing at home and being with his brother and being around his family might do him some good. But I think, I think that's, it it's a pretty big ask to throw him back boost. in there, though, eh? To, I think, yeah. He hasn't played a lot he of footy lately. He hasn't ruled out minor 10. He hasn't ruled out minor 10 whatsoever. So yeah. I, did, I did see that today published, that he, he is keen and he hasn't ruled out of a minor 10. But, again, we don't know. We're only speculating. Yeah. I mean, like... Oh, I know that we're going to have a minor 10 cup season, but I've heard the grapevine that there isn't a lot of money being thrown around, so I guess he'd be having to take a home discount for a player of his calibre. Oh, definitely to, be one um, of those KFC coupons they'd be using. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was about to make a pretty crude joke there, but um, I, I was actually on Twitter the other day, and he's actually looking in pretty good nick, so I won't, I won't throw any shade like <laughs> old Phil Kearns did a couple of years ago, but... <laughs> Yeah, enough about that. But yeah, on to the Chiefs, though. So it's fair to say they haven't really had the rub of the green in Super Rugby Aotearoa. Uh, but at the same time, they have pretty much been their own worst enemy. Now, they've had a few contentious refereeing calls go against them. Uh, the most recent one being the, the knock-on last weekend, which to me was pretty evident. But yeah. in Ben O'Keefe's eyes, he sort of looked at that last-minute slap backwards by Quentin Strange as being a lost back or backwards out of the hand. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and in fairness, it, it did swing the momentum, but you play the game, and after the, the try was awarded, there was still 20 minutes on the clock. And, yeah, like, you know, the, these things happen in games. You're not always going to get that stuff going your way. And, and it's like, yep, they, they, they haven't been, I guess, on the right side of the ledger with a, with a lot of these calls. I mean, you'd, you'd take it a week back when they were playing the Blues, and you know, I'll you know, I'll be the first to admit that I didn't think it was a penalty to the Blues. I actually thought that Goodhue was leaning um, on one of his own men or or, or on one of the Chiefs players. So, yeah, but um, on the Chiefs, so I think the one of the biggest sort of standout things for me outside of their style of play is just the the inability to convert scoring opportunities into points. Now, besides their, their four-dot display against the Highlanders in round six, in the six other games that they've played, they've only managed eight tries. Now, yeah, I'm going to do it again. Voice for concern. Brad Webber, Aaron Cruden, Anton Leonard-Brown, Quintu Pyre, Sean Wainui, Sean Stevenson, and Damian McKenzie, all by their centre, have played for either the Māori All Blacks or the All Blacks. I know, and that's that's something you've got to take into consideration. But you've also got to look at, look from that. You know, that was past form, and we're looking at present. And I know that old old shooter Sean Stevenson has played a few games for the Mighty Coat, the LTC up in the, the North Harbour comp lately in the club competition, and he's been doing some fairly good, fairly good things with that. I think, again, it's new combinations. Uh, obviously, you can count Aaron Cruden as a new guy back, even though he did bring up his 100th. Guys would have been unfamiliar playing with him, and that could be a factor. But I think, you know, um, 
in terms of when we speak about the referees, you know, they're putting it all on the line week in, week out. You've got to tip your hats to them. And, and they've got probably one of the toughest jobs in that Super Rugby conference. And, you know, just like players and, and coaches and teams, a bit of luck's got to go your way. And they have been pretty unlucky in the last few weeks with just spontaneous plays like this appearing. And them having to make a uh, split-second decision on the field can be a tough one. So you, you do have to feel for those guys. But as for that Chiefs back line, yeah, it's a real question. Just is, is it communications-based? Is it, is it the tactical-based? Like That's the thing that I haven't really taken much notice of guiltily just because I guess I'm like you. They're, they're a winless side and you, know, you tend to not favour them the best. But I really think that them bleeding in new stock, like Simon Parker, who wore the 20 jersey on the weekend, he did a phenomenal job. He's, what, 193-centimetre uh, six, who's about 108 hegs. Um, he did a bloody good job, and, and, you know, he's someone to watch for the future for that club. But, you know, yeah, it's just one of those things, you know, new system, new combinations. Warren, obviously... Whatever he's brought in, you know, he's no chump at all. He's He's got a proven coaching record. And then also the factor in what was the off-season slash COVID off-peak like for those boys? Were they in condition coming back? And did they neglect some team phases or team strategies for conditioning? Or were those boys responsible? It's just, you know, it's just a hard one to tell for this year. Well, that's what I can't understand. They set the world on fire mm. coming into the new year. Yeah. I and then they go that. into lockdown. Uh, now, did something like happen after the Hurricanes beat them on full time in that last round before we went into COVID? Did they, yeah. Yeah, did they sink one too many beers, then got a roll on <laughs> during COVID, and then came back into pre season training? The <laughs> yeah, the skinnies were up. Yeah. The skinnies were up. Oh, shit. You know? Yeah. Oh, well, maybe they haven't been taking skinnies, and that's the reason why they're still playing so, so poorly. I, I, I have oh, no sure clue. I'm sure Wayne Barnes, mate. I'm sure, I'm sure Wayne. Yeah, he would. He'd be having. The, he'd be having them for that. But mate, yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to flog a dead horse, yeah, because that they have been um, the beaten dog by by myself over the couple, the last couple of weeks and by the media. But yeah, it's really hard to pinpoint. You know, like like what has changed in that team environment. Because and and I, I'm quite frank to you, to be honest. If you don't, if you get a Chiefs player in, that's the only way you're gonna know. Yeah, really. And, and but even then, like, I, 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 like you know what what happens in house stays in house, and and, yeah. I'm, and I'm completely respectful for that. You know whether or not something somebody would be willing to jump on the blower to me, or if I managed to catch one of them and they they mentioned to me, you know, whatever's happening in in house off the record, I you know I'd be more than willing to you know. Not, not the old code, are, of, but... code of Kingy Instagram page can put a feeler out to the Walker Two <laughs> members of the Hamilton University Waikato area who know a few blokes from from the club who can give us a bit of gossip. Eh? Yeah, I just yeah, but I just I really like you know I I like to think that I know my footy. Yeah. Uh, but I I really do not know what's going on, and like you said, like Warren Gallen has a proven track record. I mean, how many? Lions coaches, well, bugger all of them have beaten the All Blacks, and yeah. you know very few have not lost to them. 
and he's won a series against Australia, and he, he's on the books to take over next year's tour in South Africa, and he, he won a, a two or three Grand Slams while he was with Wales. So, mm. like you said, he's no slouch, but it's just pretty tough times up in the Tron at the moment, and I, I hope that it continues this weekend. But following that, um, you know, hopefully they... um. You know, there's brighter times ahead. So yeah, yeah, but yeah, I guess on that point though, bro, who are you picking for Saturday night's fixture? Uh, I have Hurricanes twelve plus. I just think again, just from past performances, the and it's not nothing to go. I think Anton Leonard Brown is out in form thirteen. You know, he's the best defensive centre we've got, and he's also IQ. Of about of about two hundred on in terms of getting onto the rugby field, but I just think the talent of and the grind in that Hurricanes pack and the and the spark that they've got out wide is just going to be too too much again. Yeah. Um, and they and they're going to be desperate as well. The Hurricanes, they I wouldn't say desperate, but they're going to be they're going to be motivated. They're going to be really motivated. Because they are still like we've touched very early into this podcast, mathematical chance of succeeding. So yeah, I've got I've got Hurricanes twelve and up. Yeah, I'm the exact same as you. I think they're just gonna throw everything into the wind because, like like you just mentioned, they they need to score tries. And I mean, when when your leaders are Artie Sevilla and, and TJ Pitanata, you're gonna get up for a game because those guys wear their hearts on their sleeves and. Um, like in any footy team, you follow where your best man goes. And I think they're also going to be aided by the crowd. Now, hopefully Wellington isn't too windy or, you know, hopefully just the rain stays away so we can see a bit of expansion um, with the ball. But no, yeah, similar to you, mate, 13 plus for the Canes at home. And yeah, sorry, Chiefs fans. I, I wish I could help you out this week, but yeah, yeah like... Um, I really do like the old janitor, Brad Webber, mate. The janitor, he is a good sort, but I'm afraid, mate. Yeah. yeah not I don't go. think it's your year. <laughs> oh, well, we don't even know what's going to happen with international footy. I was about to say, like, maybe you can make up for it when he gets his nod in the All Blacks. Oh, so I hope I think, so, mate. I think he's part he of that group. Is, he's class. He's nothing yeah. but gun. Exactly. So, um, but kicking on to Sunday afternoon, where we have... As we mentioned before, the Southern Derby with the Crusaders taking on the Highlanders. Uh, so the Crusaders need one win uh, to secure the Super Rugby title or whatever we're calling this, Super Rugby Aotearoa, whether or not you see it as a a title or whether you know it's recorded as a title. I don't know. I guess I'll leave that up to the powers that be. But then sitting on the other side are the Highlanders and they're, for the most part, always been the little brother of that, mm-hmm. of, of that contest. And they're looking to bounce back from successive losses to the Hurricanes and the Blues. Now, you paid a mention to Jace Ryan and the work he does with the Fords. And obviously with the absence of Joe Moody and Fitu Douglas last week there, there was a bit of cause for concern that potentially the the Chiefs could get up for, the, for this contest and maybe look to target this game as an opportunity to take it out of the, the Crusaders' pack. But... Up steps the likes of George Bauer, who I mm-hmm. thought had had an unbelievable game for a guy who probably only really sees that the last twenty minutes after the foundation has been built by, by those starters. But 
Yeah, bloody hell. That that forward pack didn't skip a beat. They went eleven from eleven at line out time. They went they won all three of their scrums and they even pinched two turnovers at line out time from the Chiefs and won a scrum penalty. So yeah, it's fair to say that the the Crusaders um won that game up front and had it not been for a rarity in Mwanga having an off kicking night, he went three from seven from the tee. The game potentially might not have been as close on the scoreboard as it was when we saw that contentious call go against the Chiefs. So do you think that the Crusaders will look to keep it in tight, considering the work that the Blues did last weekend to take it to the Highlanders up front and slow down their ball so that they couldn't play it expansively? I think, I think firstly, Razor, he's probably one of the most talented guys you can see. He, would have, he understands what the Highlanders footy brings, and he understands what Aaron Major and and uh, old uh, Tony Brown are trying to do week in, week out. But in saying that, I th- I think just the, the general ethos of the Crusaders footy, uh, I'd love to say my, my Highlanders would get up, but the I just think the Crusaders are just too strong because, like you said, you lose Joe, Mo- uh, Joe Moody, but you've got Sam White, like 150 games and counting now for the Crusaders. And over a hundred games for the All Blacks, it's just incredible. And obviously, he's a slick uh, line-out operator. And him working with Quinn and Strange, I reckon, who I've tipped to be the next All Black lock in the in the future, with potentially Putty Putty Parkinson from the Highlanders. Uh, mate, it's just it's just a game of just we just like where do I even begin? Yeah, I think that the the Crusaders will, will probably look to keep the ball in tight and then work from there. Yeah. Now, I, I haven't been that big a fan of the Highlanders outside backs, maybe outside of John Oradeki. I quite like him. For a little mm-hmm. fellow, he can do quite a lot with the ball in hand and he's he's no stranger to the old flick pass. And like we saw a couple of weekends ago, he did a bit of damage out wide when he got a bit of a mismatch in, in that Chiefs fixture where the Highlanders remarkably came back from, from 24 points, I think it was at one stage, or 31-7 in that second half. So I think I think he's good at the 23 jersey, and when I say he's good at the 23 jersey, I think that jersey has become a specialist position, and it will continue to be a specialist position. It won't just be a fill-the-team-sheet kind of jersey. It's definitely one because uh, looking at Damien McKenzie from the international scene, Mate, what he brings onto the field when there's fatigue and when there's confusion and there's, when there's a bit of unrest with bringing on substitutions in terms of game flow, I think he's the Highlanders 23 man, you know, just to come on and just his electricness is incredible. So I think he is someone that they need to keep as a specialist 23 jersey. And you look to when the All Blacks were prominent from about 2013 all the way through to 2015, 2016, 2017, they just had a bench of depth and they knew what their bench was going to do every time they came off and it was literally for the opposition, oh shit, now this guy's on and then them worrying about a new challenge and unknowing challenge. So yeah, I agree with you in terms of, of, him, at, of him coming off the bench. Mm-hmm. No, that, 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 yeah, that's a really great point. And they've been without... Braden in all the past two weekends, and I thought that they really missed him against the Hurricanes. I thought yeah. that Peter Rumunga Jensen did a job on, I think it was Fitzuli Pyre, who, who came in and started for the yeah. Crusaders. Yeah. Apologies if I, if I got his name wrong, but 
Um, yeah, he, he's, he's going to be an added bonus. Him and Goodhue in the midfield, despite Goodhue's performance against the, the Hurricanes two weekends ago, they're, they're a pretty formidable pairing defensively. And, I mean, we've seen how fast Braden Enel is on the outside break. I think that's probably the point of difference from him and probably everybody else bar Rico Iwani. It's just that turn of pace and that... Oh, yep, we've got Will Jordan here, mate. Well, no, no, in, in the midfield though. In the midfield though, I'm, I'm talking purely in the midfield. Um, yeah, I've don't don't get me started, mate. Like, <laughs> I I don't know what Razor is going to do over the next couple of years, or whether Will yeah. Jordan is is willing to bide his time, because you got two All Black starting wingers plus a former All Black at the back, and Havili is your co-captain, and mm. then you have arguably the best player to have graced the field during Super Rugby Aotearoa on your bench. So oh, and, and I mean he, he's he's in the 15 jersey now with all the injuries yeah, that they've had. Got but Bridge and Reese and like that's the thing. It's just like oh, what do you, how, how do you pick it? How do you, oh, how do you go about it? Yeah. It's just like you almost like do you wish an injury on a player, which you never do, just to be able to satisfy that one player with game time. And it's just like mate, you've just got an absolute mountain to climb there. Imagine being a player, mate. Imagine being like, oh, yep, yeah, Braden's passed the ball, sweet. And he's like, oh, no, nah, okay, George got it. No, nah, yep, George passed it. Oh, yeah, sweet. Then it's like, oh, no, nah, Will's got it. So it's like, even yeah, as a defensive line. Like, is running yeah. in behind, mate. You're just like, oh, <laughs> And Mwanga, like, right now, is the best running first five. And he, so he is a stud, mate. He is a stud. Yeah, he had an off night against the Chiefs with his three for seven kicking, but that guy is honestly... You know, I know we talk about Bowden Barrett, two-time World Player of the Year, but you just can't overlook this guy. No, mate. Not he, at all. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess like we've we've seen with our our tens as of late. I know they they tried to do a bit of bit work with McKenzie, but yeah, that that's probably our point of difference as a country. Full stop is just everyone in our backline is an attacking threat, and Wang mm. is quick as well it's not like he's sort of just explosive because i've seen a few videos of him in the gym mate like i think he's he, he front squats something like 180 like it's ridiculous so yeah. he's got the power and all that there but he's actually got a bit of toe as well so like you said you can't you can't really fall for his show and go otherwise he'll, he'll make you pay for it and, and convert it into five points for himself or whoever else is outside him or running off his shoulder but we'll, we'll jump into the highlanders though so while they haven't been all that fortunate with, with the scoreboard and, and their fixtures as of late. Um, one thing I do have to pay a mention to for them and give them credit for is they have this uncanny ability to just stay in the fight. And like we Mate, saw on the weekend, that's that they've just they, the southern. That's just the southern grind, you know. <laughs> You've got like I can speak for myself here, you know. Like those boys are unreal. Those boys are relentless. And I think it's just what's installed for them. Like, you know, you've got Clark Dermody, South and Stags captain, and then went on to kick on for great things for the mighty London Irish over there and lift a Heineken trophy. And he knows all about being a battler and being a grinder. And you've got Tony Brown, mate, who was part of the heyday Highlanders. You know, party at Tony Brown's. And then Aaron Major, mate, you know, he's he, he was... I, he was unfairly forgotten in some all-black circles, you know, because the likes of we had that pairing of Conrad Smith and Martin Nonu, but, mate, he was an unbelievable 12 running that line for Dan Carter back in the day. And so those guys all know, and the thing about those guys are they're all, they're all player 
coaches. They all relate to the boys, and they've they've picked a squad of just battlers who will just battle through. Like it's a it's one thousand eight hundred fifty nine days, people, since the Highlanders last lifted the Super Rugby title in twenty fifteen. Yes, I know I'm a I'm a staunch Highlanders man, but you've just got to give it to them. You can never count them out because they will grind and grind and grind, and that's what they love because and it's a well earned space in the sheds afterwards. <laughs> oh, you know, say less, bro, say less. But what 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 the Blues did on the weekend to nullify them going out wide was they well, it's pretty simple. They slowed the ball down at the breakdown, so. What what sort of changes would you like to see from your men going into this weekend up against the best team of the competition or the first place team to combat uh, whatever game plan that Razor will have devised to to make sure that the the Crusaders win another title? Well, you've got you've just got to look at the front row firstly, and you know. Big offer to Fussy, mate. He's the informed tight head and probably will kick on to be one of the best tight heads in the world in the international calendar. Went up against Aiden Johnson. Aiden Johnson is no chump, mate. He's had an outstanding season. But him getting absolutely piled over on the five-metre line for the Blues to win a scrum penalty um, and then just to turn around and smile just knowing he's been absolutely done, he'll have something in his gut heading into Saturday realising that he's got something to prove, you know, because he's no chump. Uh, and then you look at the combination of potentially Putty Putty Parkinson, the big six foot eight, uh, or close to seven foot wingspan lock who can just absolutely carry with the bicep fiend, uh, old Jack Wetton, who's from prominent stocks, just working in the engine room in the, in the back five, and Shannon Frizzell, who's no chump. I think if those guys can really knuckle down and work together and just grind and realise that this is their season on the line, um, even though the, their title contentions are all but shot, they can cause some absolute damage. And then you look at the likes of Aaron Smith, who will never give up, and he'll just be driving the boys around that paddock for 80 minutes. It will just be a good thing. And hopefully Josh Awani, who he'll, he'll suit back up in the team because his kicking game, he's just... He's got that Michael Jordan jump shot, but for the boot, you know. He just knows where to hit the spots. And and then not only that, he's an aggressive line tacker. And then you've got C.O. Tompkinson, you know, the hit man. That guy will put hits for days on boys, and they'll be feeling it for the next month. And, you know, I do rate I do rate the combination with Mitch Hunt and Joshuani, the 10-15 role, but I would... Uh, and this is no credit, to, uh, no disrespect to Michael Collins. He's a fantastic player, but I, I, I do wish there was a healthy Bobby Thompson in there. And then you've got Josh McKay, who's just got absolute speed to burn. Uh, he'd be, he, yeah. So, mate, they've got the team. They've got the team. Honestly, just a bit of growth and a bit of maturity in those young boys, and they'll be there. They'll be there in the next few years. So, yeah. if there's if there's a game they've got to get up, it's this one. I think that the the thing that the Hurricanes and the Blues have going for them this weekend, even though it's out of their hands, is that I think there would be nothing sweeter for the Highlanders than for them to be able to say they played a part in stopping the Crusaders winning another title. Oh, mate. Yeah, so I, I, I think that the, the Highlanders will be up for it this weekend. Whether or not they can stay up for it 
for the 80 minutes of which the game's played is a different story because as we saw at Forsyth in round five or four, I yeah. think it was, the Hollanders were in their game for 70 minutes, but they weirdly took Aaron Smith off with about eight minutes to go and they were down, I think, seven seven or six points at that stage and they go on to lose by 20. And that's just what the Crusaders do. They, they, they punish teams towards the back end of games and blow the scoreline out and, and make it look like it wasn't is not what it was or or that it wasn't a true reflection of what took part on the paddock that night. So, Yeah, and the crazy yeah. thing is that stadium turns nine years old this year. Um, and I really think it's shaped a new era of Highlander rugby. You know, like people people reflect back on the South as being a forward-orientated, rough-and-tumble, rucking kind of scenario. But when you look at the Highlanders week in, week out, mate, they play some fast, expansive, chaotic rugby, and they just love pestering around set pieces and rucks and everything like that. So they can continue with that team, and they've got the team to do it. Um, all they just need to do is build a bit of maturity in terms of maturity of, of just their experience. Um, they've got the team to play that fast, expansive, ball-running rugby because they're under they're under the glass house, basically, mate. They've got nothing but primo conditions uh, week in, week out when they're playing at home. So if they can really capitalise on that, it'll be ideal. Yeah, well, to, to me, they, they play the, the best brand of rugby, and I think mm. that stems from having two backs as part of your your three-man coaching group. As much as I do like the, the foundation that they've set with Putty Putty Parkinson, uh, when Josh Dixon was fit, he was another one that was sort of an all-black contention. I like their loose forward trio. I like Josh Iwani. I like Mitch Hunt. I like Aaron Smith. Uh, but I, I do think that they're probably lacking a bit of X-factor in that back line. I mean, you mentioned C.O. Tompkinson and Bobby Thompson. I think they're there, but mm. that they haven't really shown a point of difference on attack. You know, it's like, it's one thing to make your tackles, and tackling is certainly an important point of rugby, but when you're going out wide, like when I hear the names besides probably Nareki and, I mean, Josh Mackay stuck his hand up in, in the past couple of weekends, um, especially that, that Chiefs game. And again, you mentioned it, you know, these guys are very, very young. They haven't had a lot of experience at the top level, but I'll be interested to see which way they go with that midfield next yeah. year, whether or not they look to bleed in someone like Thomas Umunger and Jensen and whether they push Sarah Tomkinson out to 13. And I think that he he's obviously had to do a bit of work around his tackling. I know that while he can put in a big hit, he did cop a few yellow cards for maybe aiming a bit too high or, or catching guys on the way down. So he's maybe looked to rein that in and yeah. he's been pretty disciplined as of late. And I mean, you've you heard a mention to that front row. Surprisingly, Liam Coltman has been... Not all black Liam Coltman as a late. He, he, I mean, he's lost his yeah. starting job to Ash Dixon, who, who weirdly was a captain off the bench. I could never quite understand what how that worked, but obviously that speaks to the money he has within that that Highlanders group. But I think there also needs to be a bit of work done around that front row because, like th- you said, when you lose the game up front, I just think yeah, it's it pretty was hard if to. You were, and I, I'm no statistician, but I do know the front rowers. I was a tight head myself. I reckon it really came down to who could make their throws at line-out time. And I think Ash Dixon is just a proven time-in-time-out guy who can consistently hit the mark. That's no disrespect to Liam Coltman, but, you know, hookers have their days. And I think at the moment, Ash Dixon's having a bloody good day. 
Um, and of course, you touched on that mana. Yeah, I, I, it's yeah, it's a like they're just spoiled for choice at that position, which is which is unreal. And you'd love to have that. It's like basically what's going on with the Hurricanes, and I still don't know how they've managed to do it over the last three to four years, where you've been able to keep Dane Coles, Ricka Riccatelli, and old uh, Asafa Moore. And that, yeah. and that, you know, like Ricky Riccatelli, mate, he is, he, if he was to go to another franchise, he'd be a starting hooker, minus the Crusaders with Cody Taylor. Like, yeah, I, I guess that, that probably speaks volumes to, I guess, the culture that the Hurricanes hmm. have there at the moment, you know, off the back of Chris Boyd and, and that championship era of his, and then when John Puntry came in and even the work that old Alfie's doing now of Jason Holland, so... Yeah, yeah, I guess yeah. Just me being probably a bit critical of the Hollanders. I think yeah, there there is a little bit of work to do before they maybe take that leap into championship contention. I mean, like, and the same goes for all the other teams by the by the Crusaders. Um, you know, the the Blues were the hot talking topic all the way up until they played the Crusaders down in Christchurch, and then all of a yeah. sudden, Bowden Barrett's not a fullback, and you know, his All Black <laughs> chances are out the window because he had one bad game, and then. Yeah. You know, then they lose to the Hurricanes the next weekend, and then you know oh, it, it's compounded. So you know, I, I take everything with a grain of salt. Um, yeah, with and, whatever and I read on, on that again, on without, the without barting too much on about the the Mighty Landers, is that they're bleeding in new boys. So I can guarantee you, a lot of the boys who aren't familiar with the with the player personnel um, would be wondering who the heck is this guy, who the heck is this guy, and that's the point. You know, they're really taking the Super Rugby Aotearoa for a good opportunity to, to show the guys the calibre of what it's like to play a Kiwi side week in, week out. you just got to look at Ethan the group, mate. He is, he, he's a boy from Gore, a place where many see as a blip on the map and give a lot of shit to. And he is just doing some phenomenal things in the front row. And, you know, he's he's going to have a massive Mitre 10 season for the, for the Mighty Stags uh, this year. And mate, it's just you know the the Highlanders are the land of opportunity for those players, and you you just got to give them a few years, and then they'll have another we believe season like twenty fifteen, one thousand eight hundred fifty nine days ago, uh, when we lifted that bloody cup, and they did lose a a massive figure in the likes of Ben Smith, who uh, who is off overseas. So yeah, yeah, no, you you're speaking a lot of truth, mate, but. I guess we'll get to the end of this yeah, part of the discussion, bro. So, are you, are you tipping your boys, or yep. are you going with your head? Yep, I've got them. I've got them uh, by a try. I've got them by a try. Josh Joshuani converts. Oh, I, my heart's there with you because I, I want the Canes to win. So I'm backing the Canes to get the job done on Saturday and praying for an upset. But whether or not the Crusaders lose. Again at home, you know, like we saw how long it took for one team to beat them. Yeah. What was it? Thirty-six games unbeaten. Yeah, I just like can't that. see them dropping a second consecutive game at home. That is, that would be, it would be remarkable if the Highlanders pulled it off, and it'd be an even greater feat than what the Hurricanes achieved a fortnight ago. But yeah, I. Yeah, but nobody, know, nobody picked the Stags Stags uh, footy to beat the uh, Crusaders nine three in two thousand and nine, mate. <laughs> You know, I reckon I reckon give them a shot. I know everyone down south will be giving them a will be giving them a shot, and the and the loyal supporters will be giving them a shot. All they need is a sniff of belief, 
and a bit of and a good brew of cup of tea before the game, and they're good to go. Oh, like well, yeah, honestly, mate, I'd be right there with you. But if you asked me to put my house on it, um, I'd have to step to the other side, bro. Hey, about two weeks ago, the cheapest house in New Zealand sold in Greymouth for about six thousand dollars. So, <laughs> mate. Yeah, 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 sorted. We can sort you for one down there, I'm, I'm sure. You'll be in the West Coast. But hey, that's a beautiful part of the country. All right, I'll, I'll chase you up after the, after the podcast, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I'll make sure to get to that. But um, before before I let you go, though, we've got a, a few other talking points to quickly bang through. So yeah. uh, you made a mention in your notes to the, the Super Rugby review that's going on at the moment, the other tipper review um, around the growth, the regeneration and invigoration uh, for top-class footy in the country uh, going forward. So I, I touched on it a couple of weekends ago um, with my guest, Adam Julian, uh, around, around the Pacifica team and my sort of thoughts around that and that I think if you're going to do it, you're going to have to do it right. And I mean, Adam made the point that he'd like to have the team based out of either Auckland or Sydney to, mm-hmm. to begin with, to make sure that, you know, the books are all set in place and da 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 because Otherwise, you know, if something sort of mischievous happens or if something doesn't quite go to plan, yeah. you know, then we could be, you know, in for another 20-year hiatus yeah. of a Pacifica team. Yeah, I think he's right there. Uh, I, don't, I don't agree with Australia. I think, obviously, Auckland being the biggest uh, Polynesian uh, city in the world per capita in terms of, of, um, of people here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they just have to look at whether or not they could host it at uh, either, I reckon, Counties Manukau or North Harbour stadiums as their home grounds. That's what that would have to be a review for them. But I think we're past the stage of talking now, and it's actually about actioning and doing, because the calibre of players are there, and every season that we wait and we ponder and we talk about this, uh, players are going to head offshore, and they're going to go to... Uh, what they perceive as, as greener pastures. You just have to look at the huge opportunity missed by Sanzar by letting Japan and uh, Fiji move north to the, what would you call it, the eight nations now in mm-hmm. that tournament. And already, you know, Fiji passport holders have an instant gateway into the French rugby divisions. And also with Japan being one of the bigger premium money markets, their eyes have now switched from Southern Hemisphere rugby in terms of the super franchises to now potentially Northern Hemisphere. So, yeah, but a big a big loss there. And I just think we're, we're just umming and ahhing too much and we really just need to get our ducks all in a row um, and just start firing. Yeah. Now, now for you, say, for example, if we did have a Pacifica team, well, you know, like, well, when we get a Pacifica team, do you think that should a Kiwi go on to play for that team, a New Zealand-born player, or someone with with New Zealand residency, do you think that they should be eligible for the All Blacks? I think so. Well, they're still in New Zealand, you know. They're still a New Zealand team. I think I think there needs to be a review on that rule. And then obviously if they do move to the Pacific Nations, then giving them the first choice option of playing for the Pacific Union uh, of their of their birth and heritage, so whether it being Fiji, Tonga, Samoa, or Nauaian, or wherever it is 
that may combine the Pacific uh, Union team. But if they are New Zealand born, then I don't see why not. Um, yeah, just as long yeah. as it's not taking away from the the whole the whole overall view view and image of that Pacifica team. I think the the only reason I pose that question is that if you're going to let one team, and you know I, I'm I'm sort of thinking about this idea of the notion that this is a trans Tasman competition where we have an mm. Australian team playing New Zealand teams, and then we have that Pacifica team involved that. Should a Kiwi then play for an Australian franchise, whether or not he then be eligible for the All Blacks because the Pacifica team's not a New Zealand team, mm. but they're playing in a new, in, I guess, in a New Zealand sort of partly owned or partly operated competition. So you know, think, does, does that the open up a can pretty, of worms there? I think the rule's pretty clear with in terms of the New Zealand franchise. You, all you have to look at is Angus Tarvel, the Gus. You know, he he. He started off in New Zealand and then obviously applied his trade over in Australia and then realised that he was good enough to crack it back here. Had an unbelievable year for the Taranaki uh, Bulls and then managed to sniff his way into the all-black way and, and proven that he is a all-black tight-head prop. And, you know, I think the rule's pretty clear-cut that you need to be playing for a New Zealand franchise due to the technical fact that the Pacifica team is still in Auckland or wherever it may be in New Zealand before they head off to the Pacific Islands, I think they still should be eligible. So, yeah. No, fair enough. Yeah, I I just just thought I'd throw that out there and and get your opinion because I know I've had divided opinions because I think if you open up to one team, even if they are based in Auckland or, you know, it's a bit of a technicality that, you know, then you start to create a bit of a grey area. Um, Yeah, I, I understand that, but yeah. I just think for the growth of the game that it is, it is, it is important that New Zealand players stay in New Zealand um, in order to be eligible. Otherwise, if you open up that can of worms, then you're going to have someone who acts like a Sonny Bill figure who is a trailblazer for the game, let's say, end up over in either the likes of Japan or French markets and even mm-hmm. uh, the USA where, it's, where rugby is hugely growing there with uh, expansion teams popping up left, right and centre in the MLR, um, head over there. And then there becomes that disconnect from the New Zealand community because you've got players playing in different time zones. So so the only the real true rugby diehards will follow those Kiwi players and understand who they are getting selected for the New Zealand frame. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think that if I was in New Zealand rugby union, and, and they already know this themselves, is that if they open up that, like you said, open up that can of worms and let players play in other countries outside of New Zealand but still make them eligible for the All Blacks, that, that will lose them. We'll lose yeah. all of our best players because we just don't have the same money that's going around yeah. in Europe. Even with COVID going on at the moment, I mean, there's, there's sure to be a bit of a bounce back with the economics in the rugby scene. Yeah. Um, and I was even going to me- pay mention to someone like, for example, like a Caelan Ponga. Now, I know a lot was made of his comments, I think it was last year or the year before, around his aspirations to play for the All Blacks, you know, when he's, you know, when he may be done with the league. And yeah, a lot, yeah, for me personally, I think, similar to you, I think that you need to be at least contracted or, or having had played in New Zealand um, at that in said year to then play for the All Blacks that and same year. I think year, if they've got so. a sabbatical about what, what old uh, Brady Retallick and the, I can't off the top of my head name, the other boys from the All Blacks who have gone overseas to Japan to play a sabbatical season there, I think that's that's well in reason. 
if they've played X amount of times for the All Blacks and they are signed to New Zealand rugby contracts. But yeah, I think that should be an exception. But other than that, no. Yeah, yeah. Totally, bro. Um, on to your second point, though. So, uh, the Super Rugby Aotearoa Trophy. Now, yeah. it, it's, it's unlikely that we're going to have this competition next year um, because Sanzar's come out and said that they want to get their, their competition back up and running because there's still a, a year to go on their contract. But whatever happens from 2021 onwards, you know, that, that that's anyone's guess. But I do like your suggestion here, mate. So do you just want to bring that up for the listeners? Yeah, so I thought, you know, it's a beautiful trophy that we've got, the Aotearoa Trophy, and I'd love to see it continue rather than collecting dust in either one of the the Blues or the Crusaders or even the Hurricanes uh, trophy cabinet uh, to make it the old log of wood like the Ranfurly Shield. You know, imagine imagine the Super Rugby trophy heading around the the New Zealand the New Zealand derby games, you know, uh, can only be played for as as the hosting home team who hold the trophy, and then it's played week in week out. And you know, I think it would just give a bit more oomph to the game, and and would create more more grip and more guts to the derby to be able to lift that lift that because you only got to see what the what the Gordon Hunter Memorial Trophy meant to both the Blues and Highlanders regions over the weekend to see where where it gets those buy-ins and those inputs from the players. So imagine mm-hmm. imagine the old Aotearoa trophy being played for week in, week out on a New Zealand derby game by the host on the same premise of the rules of the old log of wood in the Mitre 10 Cup. No, I'm right there with you, bro. I, I think that, like you said, if, if the trophy's just going to go to waste uh, after one year, that you know the best thing we could do is create some sort of buzz around it and keep the trophy alive because, as you mentioned, it, it, it's a beautiful piece of work that's been done to, I guess, gift to, to the eventual winner of our competition, you know, whichever one of those three teams that you rattle off, you know, stand victorious next weekend or potentially this weekend if, if the Crusaders do get up. And yeah, I mean, I've sort of been sort of taken away from the Maiditin Cup scene because, you know, speaking in all honesty, even though I am co with Kingy, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not the sort of guy that you know that's watching every single Maiditin Cup game yeah. when the season comes on because I I think that the the footy has been somewhat diluted with a lot of the schoolboy talent that's come through, yeah. and with the lack of All Blacks playing in it, uh, my my interest just hasn't been there. And um, especially when the All Blacks are playing year round, that you know that's where the bulk of my attention is drawn to. So, um, I mean, yeah, that, that, that's another topic in itself. But yeah, yeah, on, on your on your recommendation of of keeping the Super Rugby Aotearoa Trophy alive by having it as the Ranfurly Shield of the whatever Super Rugby competition we have going forward, that's a big thumbs up for me, bro. Um, so last but not least, bro. Um, on your point of the rugby championship. Yeah. Uh, now, obviously, Australia is back up and running with their competition. I think they're in week three, or I think week three's just gone by, week mm. two. I, I, yeah. You know, I, I'm not, don't hold me to that, because like I said earlier nah, in the piece... Them, I've barely been watching <laughs> Yeah, I really have zero interest in, in the Australian game right now. With... And they say they can get us because they've had tight games, you know, tight contested games. Where it's been two have gone to golden point. I might, mate, they're only been tight contested because of, you know, just going off the back of the fucking bloody Super Rugby performance. Like, they've been utterly terrible. I think it was like 48 game losing streak they had to Kiwi sides. Well, that was snapped. So, no chance they could compete with the boys 
in the Aotearoa comp. No, not at all. But you've made a point to talk about the Springboks. Now, yes, they are the current world champions, like you've pointed out, but maybe elaborate on, on a few of the other points, bro, to, to, you know, so, just to get it going. Food for, uh, food for thought right here, you know, Springboks, hats off to them, congratulations. Last year you guys became the Rugby World Cup champions for the third time. You know, world champions, they haven't been together as a squad officially and as a squad, as a collective since November 2nd, 2019. And with current uh, world issues in terms of pandemics, COVID-19 and it being rampant in the South African country, which you've got a feel for, the footy players have only been able to stay together or train together in groups of five. Um, and that's been with stringent con- uh, contact tracing. So when you think about that, we're already into nine weeks of intense games of Super Rugby and the Australians, what, week three, week four of theirs. Um, you know, there's already a disadvantage with them already saying that the Rugby Championships is going to be there. And then with them even saying they need at least two weeks of Curry Cup to be played before their their boys are even ready. And even if the start was to go ahead with that projected Curry Cup season and it would be and it being uninterrupted, the the box would be severely undercooked. So my question is what's like is there a point of even bringing them over? Because with the high injuries that have been going on, you only have to look at club rugby. For example, just with boys being underdone and undercooked with shoulders on, bringing players over as injury cover would be an absolute logistic nightmare because they'd have to quarantine for two weeks. So you wouldn't have use of them for up to three weeks even. Yeah, which means you'd have to carry an extended squad yeah. coming and, over. And they're already projecting 45, 40 guys that they'd that they be willing to bring over. And, and that, that in its own is an expense on the union. That is that they're not used to. Well, and South African so, rugby has no money either. That's why all their best players go over to Europe. Yeah, and uh, you know, and and they rely on Curry Cup to be their their warm up shoulders on kind of thing, and that may not even begin in time. And so, eleven weeks and counting would the Australian New Zealand teams be ahead of the box, and that's a that's a massive advantage with with the type of rugby that's being played. So, so for that for those. For that world champion side, you know, they'd only they'd have to do the unthinkable of what they've only been able to accomplish two times, once in nineteen thirty seven and the other in two thousand and eight, shortly after them taking the two thousand and seven World Cup, would be to come to New Zealand and on New Zealand soil beat the ABs twice to be able to even claim the rugby championships. And by the time the time frame of them even suggesting that you may as well embark or start embarking and planning on the European tour um, for them to make a base where there's less stringent travel arrangements to there and them creating a, a Northern Hemisphere tour under obviously COVID-specified rules or whatever's been in place in the, in the European markets. But, you know, mate, uh, uh, do we even bother about the rugby championships? Do we just bother about a Blennerslow? series and and what are even the argentinians up to so yeah i I thought it'd be an interesting point to bring up with you king and see what your points are on that 
Well, yeah, well, um, thank you very much for, for doing the deep dive into the, the logistical side for the Springboks. I had, I hadn't really, I know that they hadn't been playing, but I didn't realise just how stringent the the rules have been uh, with with their elite athletes and not being able to train as a team and only in small groups of five like we had during our lockdown period. So I guess going off all of those facts that you've rattled off, I, I don't really see the point in South Africa coming out all this way um, and like you said, touching on the fact that these guys haven't had the opportunity to, to get through enough contact or, or won't have had the opportunity to get through enough contact because nothing replicates game-like scenarios. You know, I can tackle a tackling bag for an hour at training tomorrow night, but, you know, that's going to be nowhere near the same as, you know, boys twice my size running at me, you know, on a Saturday afternoon, even though, you know, I'll have the adrenaline pumping. You know, there's nothing quite like getting up off the deck after you've been smashed or having smashed someone, so... And the fact that our boys have been used to it, and like you like you mentioned earlier in the piece, um, our boys have been playing pretty much test match level football. So if they're going a million miles an hour and the South Africans are just finding their feet, that can only really end up one way, both on the scoreboard and, and with the Springbok boys in their bodies. Uh, and like I mentioned before, Australian rugby's in turmoil at the moment. They've got no money. And like should a Trans-Tasman competition go ahead, in the future, after 2020, the only real benefiters from that will be the Australians because it's not like the New Zealand teams are going to get any better playing the Australian mm. teams. So, yeah, besides, obviously, the, the prestige of, of the Bledisloe and, and keeping that in our trophy cabinet, you know, and even and even the idea of just having international footy because I know everybody wants it to happen, I, I don't really see the point in having a rugby championship. It doesn't really do any good for anyone and then it's like well if we have that championship go to plan and it's only a trans-Tasman competition because it just doesn't work out logistically to logistically for the South Africans and we're basing both games in New Zealand you know that's not really fair to the Australians because yeah. you know we know how tough it is to win that you know they're obviously going to have one game at Eden Park and the All Blacks never lose at Eden Park hmm. um uh, so yeah, but then you touch on, on the end of your tour. Now, again, I haven't really been keeping up with all the COVID stuff that's going on at there at the moment and whether or not they've had any progression. I mean, like I know nowhere in the world's up to speed with us and the work that we've done. But, yeah, yeah like whether or not we, we send our boys overall that way and run them the risk of contracting the virus, you know, like down the line. I, I don't know. I mean, like, I guess as a footy fan, like I mentioned before, I want to have the All Blacks play this year because they are the pinnacle and, you know, there's nothing I love more than, you know, parking up next to the old fella or parking up next to the boys <laughs> with with a couple of brews in hand and, you know, and watching, yeah. you know, the likes of Damian McKenzie, Bowden Barrett and Artie Sevilla do their thing. But, yeah, at the moment, with the rugby climate outside of New Zealand, I just don't see why we'd go through the hassle of run the risk of having international footy or, you know, or even just like putting our players in harm's way. Yeah, I agree, and you know, you never know how long this is going to last, and what what the scenarios are, and we we've just got to be blessed that we are in a country that dealt with it the way we did, and mate, it's just yeah, sometimes you got to take the footy hat off and realise that this is much bigger than that. But I agree with you. I love nothing more than crushing a box back on a Saturday night with with the lads and and watching a bit of All Blacks action. With a with a fat hucker, 
and a solid national anthem and then walking out at about quarter past nine into town uh, chanting the All Blacks because they've pumped the, uh, the old Aussies by about 45, 50 points at a time. But hopefully Dave Rennie, old, the old mate over there, Chiefs Munna, sorts that out. Yeah. But, hey, yeah. I, th- I think if there, if there was going to be a man to do it or, I guess, um, a coach from a certain country to turn the Aussies around, it would be a Kiwi. And I was even reading some stuff online and that the the Australian junior program is actually in pretty good nick. Now, they made the final against the French, I think it was, last year. Now, I know there's been a lot of noise made about the up-and-coming French players and, yeah. and the work they've done at the under-20 level and, you know, what we'll see at the, at the 2023 World Cup in 2027 because the next World Cup's in France, so... You know that'll only well, vote well for them. Rigged. Give it to Ireland. <laughs> Honestly, give it to Ireland. That country there in its own. Everyone knows, right through and through, that Irish bars, Irish pubs, Irish anything are the best hosts. You know, give it to the Irish. I reckon, and then maybe a few games in Scotland and Wales, just because they're feeling generous. <laughs> but mate, honestly, rigged. Yeah, I can't Absolutely. say. Yeah, I, I can't say I've, I've met an Irish person that I didn't like. So, yeah, no, you bang on the How money good. there, bro. Yeah, totally, bro. But um, we'll wrap that up there, my man. No worries, mate. Appreciate you having uh, well, appreciate you having. Appreciate you taking some time out to talk to me, uh, and I look forward to catching up with you on on Sunday, hopefully, or, or potentially Monday, depending on what the head's like. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or depending on what my head's like if the Hurricanes win, I'm I'm sure I'll be having. More than um, more than a cutly if, if the oh, boys mate, manage to get the, the job done. Yeah. So lot to talk about. So yeah, bro. Um, up until then, bro. Stay safe. And again, thank you yeah. very much. Look forward to it. Go the stags.